0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Boyle, and this week we're going to be chatting about the four key areas to achieve optimal health. Now, before we dive in, I have to shout out that our free, fully charged five-day challenge is kicking off on Monday, the 15th of May. So if you haven't signed up for the challenge yet, don't miss out. Head on over to the show notes and sign up now. This is five days where we cover Uh, just a small health task each day that is really going to optimize your health in a very simple and easy way. So if you'd like to do some Pilates with me and you want to just, you know, look at your health, tweak a few things and really optimize it, then make sure you join us for the challenge and don't miss out. Now, diving in our four key areas to our health and really getting optimal health. Now, I've chosen these areas because these are the main areas that if we even make some small improvements in or small changes, then we are going to see big results. So these are the big players. Overall, there are lots of things that influence our health, but if we need to find somewhere to start or somewhere to just really focus on so that we start to see some results, because they are always encouraging. If we can get results, we're always encouraged and motivated to do more, then we're going to keep going. We're going to stay motivated to change the next area and so on. So our four key areas, we're kicking off our first area with nutrition. So being a nutritionist comes to mind that our first key area is nutrition and there's numerous reasons why, but for the majority of us, it's something that we are eating, you know, at minimum, probably two or three times a day. We are putting food into our bodies and ultimately our food builds our cells our organs, our muscles, our bones, our brain, everything that we do or everything that's involved in building our body structurally, physically comes back down to the food we eat and the beverages that we consume. So we really are what we eat. So, if we are leaning into a more processed diet that may be higher in sugar, higher in seed oils, you know, additives, preservatives, different chemicals and things added in, then it probably goes to show that our energy, the way that you know our tightness or pain levels in our body, our focus, our concentration, our level of disease, it's all going to be affected. And it's probably going to be more to that sort of negative area or the area where we're not feeling so great. We're not performing at our best. We may have a lot of aches and pains and illnesses popping up every now and again. So what can we do to really dial in our nutrition? And again, We always want to keep it simple because if it gets overwhelming, we are going to give up straight away. So with each of these four areas, I'm going to share just three things that you can focus on and don't get me wrong, just focus on one of these three things. But these three things just give you some options to choose from so that you can go listen to this podcast, step away and go, yep, this week I'm going to focus on this one thing. So the first thing that we can start to focus on within our nutrition is going back to a whole foods diet. Now, what does whole foods mean? Well, it generally means that we're looking at foods that are not highly processed, that are in their original form. So coming back to our vegetables, our fruits, our meats and seafood, if you are generally you know, used to shopping in a supermarket, you usually find these foods around the perimeter. And these foods generally don't make the supermarket a whole lot of money or generally don't make manufacturers and companies a whole lot of money because they're back to nature. So we're shopping around the perimeter. We're going to pick up our fruits, our veggies, our dairy products, our eggs, our meat. So if you wander around that perimeter, that's generally where you will find these foods. Nuts and seeds, legumes. So when it comes to these whole foods, we want to be including them in our diet, you know, every day getting in a variety of foods. And when we're talking about these whole foods, you usually find them around the perimeter, but sometimes they will be minimally processed. Now, what does that mean? Well, for example, mince meat or beef mince, that's a minimally processed food. It's mince, it's beef, but it's been ground up. So it's had some processing done, but it's still in its whole form. We may be looking at buying chickpeas and we get chickpeas in a can. Now, chickpeas is a whole food, but we're purchasing them in a can. So there has been some minimal processing done. So even sourcing our whole, whole foods, but in that minimal process form is still okay to do. Sometimes, you know, we're not in hunter-gatherer times. We can't go out and forage for our food everywhere. We do need to get food and eat some processed food. We want to stick to that more minimally processed as much as we can. Now, the second thing we can do is eat the rainbow you've heard it all before, but we want to be adding in as many different colors into our diet as possible. And this goes to the same that if we, you know, we generally fall into regular eating sort of habits and patterns. So we might really like red apples. We might like pink lady ones, but we want to change it up sometimes and add in some other colors going for a granny smith. So going for the green instead of the red alternating between the two. Maybe you always buy green cabbage, but you could buy purple cabbage this week. So looking at how you can include lots of different types of foods, but also looking at the various colors that you get. I know that I love, it's very rare that you find them, but you can go into the supermarket and generally carrots are orange, but sometimes you can get purple ones. So I love to get those purple ones and add in that different color because you get a different nutrient profile. So where possible, eat as many different colored foods, even within certain types of foods, look for different colors. And we want to be aiming for 30 different plant-based foods per week. So really trying to get in all those different fruits and veggies, nuts and seeds and grains where we can. Now, finally, on looking at nutrition, we want to look for three things in our food. So if we pick something off the shelf and we need to evaluate whether or not this is going to be a really good food choice or not, there's a couple of basic things that we want to look at. One, we want to look at the protein content. So we know that as we age, we require more protein so we can prevent sarcopenia, which is a loss of muscle mass. So we can maintain our muscle mass, really have that nice high metabolism and really able to function at our best. So we want to be looking for food sources that have a good source of protein. So if you pick up a packet of muesli bars off the shelf and turn it over and it says it has two grams of protein for every hundred grams, which is ultra low then it's probably not going to be the best ideal food choice. And we know that because it's processed, it's going to have lots of different ingredients too. And it's probably going to be higher in sugar. So there's a few other things. But we want to look where we can for at higher protein content. Second, we want to look at fiber is the food high in fiber? So our best protein sources we know are going to be our meat-based and dairy-based products and eggs. And we've also got our plant-based sources in our nuts and seeds and that as well. And then when it comes to fiber, we're going to be looking at fruits and vegetables and grains. So checking out how much fiber is in a food because fiber helps us stay fuller for longer it helps us become regular okay, with our bowel movements so we can avoid constipation. It helps with our digestion and with our weight management. So really looking for the fiber content. And finally, look at hydration. How much water is in the food? So we know for processed foods that water is the enemy. If there is water in the food, that food is going to go off quicker. I often like to think of your fresh food. So if you think of your fruits and veggies, you know, raspberries are my sort of, you know, go-to when I think about this. They don't last very long. They have a really high water content. So they'll only last a few days in the fridge, and you know, as soon as they start to turn bad, there'll be mold forming on them. Now, think of something else, like that muesli bar analogy there's a really low water content in those foods because they want to increase the shelf life. That muesli bar can last in your pantry for years because it's got a really low water content and it's also had additives, preservatives, and stabilizers added to it so it will last longer. So for processed foods, water is the enemy. It means that that food is going to go off quicker and companies don't want that. So they reduce the water content and then bump up additives, preservatives, and stabilizers to extend the shelf life. So what we want to be looking for is foods that are higher in water. So again, going back to Fruits and veggies and whole foods, and shopping around that perimeter as much as we can, or opting for those minimally processed foods we were talking about before, like your chickpeas and your lentils that you know that may be you know in the packet or the can, but they're minimally processed and still in their whole food form. So nutrition is wrapped up. If you stick to those three principles of looking for, you know, eating the rainbow, going back to a whole foods diet, and then evaluating how much protein, fiber, and hydration is in a product or water, they are really great principles to start to get you on track to keep nice and healthy. Now, moving on to our second area of optimal health, and that's our movement. So movement is so crucial for our quality of life, for helping to reduce pain, for improving our mobility and strength and balance. It's crucial for longevity. If we don't have good movement then we know that we're not going to last very long. And we've all seen this before. You know, we have a loved one that starts to get older and they have a fall. And after they have a fall, they may break something. So the recovery is a lot longer. Their bone strength might not be very good. Then they also get scared, which is totally natural to be scared after having that fall then they don't move and then their balance gets worse and so on and so forth. So it can unfortunately be a really terrible cycle. So how do we prevent this? We move every day. We need to be moving our bodies every day. And when you hear that, you probably think, oh, that sounds amazing, but I don't have time to move my body every day. But really we all have time. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be, you know, a hard slog at the gym. You don't have to drive anywhere to do it. We just need to make sure that we get up and move our bodies. And we can start with trying to stop avoiding the movements that we don't want to do. And we all know those movements. Maybe it's using the remote control rather than getting up. Maybe it's leaving all the dishes, you know, on the bench so that you don't have to bend down and pop them in the dishwasher. You'll get to that the other time. But it's adding in those just small daily movements parking your car, you know, having to walk a little bit to get to where you need to be rather than driving around to get that car park right at the front door. So even if we add in just those small things and then we add in five to 10 minutes of Maybe we go for a walk or we do some stretches or whilst you're waiting for your you know, food to cook at lunchtime, you do some squats and lunges in the kitchen. I know I was listening to a podcast recently where a doctor said that in the corner of his kitchen, he just has a kettlebell in the corner because while he's making his coffee in the morning and it's percolating, he picks up the kettlebell and he does some squats and lunges and lifts with the kettlebell. And just for those few minutes every morning, that's how he adds in some extra movement. So it doesn't have to be big. We just need to move our bodies daily and our bodies will thank us for it by having less pain, by having better mobility and staying nice and strong so that we can do all the activities we want to do. Now, the second thing that we want to do within our movement is add in strength training. Yes, hello Pilates. That means adding in ideally a minimum of two strength training sessions a week and three would be optimal. And again, these don't have to be long, these can be 10 to 15 minutes. So if you can do longer, that's fantastic. But as a starting base, if you can add in three 10 to 15 minute strength sessions a week, you are going to see amazing benefits. And Obviously, my go-to is Pilates because we can add in all our resistance work with our bands and our weights and our springs, if you're using the reformer, or in our home workouts. It gives us that amazing flexibility of being able to move at home or go join a class, whatever suits you. Now, finally, in this movement section, we want to have our strength training but we also want to add in our cardio activity as well. So we want to add in at least two cardio sessions every day or sorry, every week, not every day, two cardio sessions per week. And that could be, you know, a fast walk. It could be a run. It could be cycling. It could be swimming. It could be a game of basketball or netball. Anything that's going to get that heart rate up for a good 10 to 15 minutes again is going to give you amazing benefits for your cardiovascular system and your heart health. So again, keep those sessions short. Maybe you could start out with some walks, okay? And as you build up that strength, you could add in some intervals where you do some short jogs. If you want to add in a HIIT session, which is high intensity interval training, that is amazing. So that's when we go all out for a short period of time. So you may sprint for 10 to 30 seconds, and then you do a slower version of that workout, whether or not it's walking or jogging for a minute afterwards. And you alternate between. So the length of time, it should be an explosive. So if we were talking about strength training, we would be lifting, you know, heavy weight for 30 seconds to a minute. We're really trying to go all out. So we can't really do any more than that amount of time. And then we slow it down for anywhere between sort of one and three minutes to get our you know heart rate back down, to really find and build and feel comfortable to get that strength ready to go hard again. And the HIT workout is amazing because again, you only need about 15 minutes because you need a couple of minutes just to warm up your body to get into it so we can prevent injuries. We do our HIIT workout for about 10 minutes and then we have a couple of minutes where we cool down. So a really simple way, whether or not you wanna do cardio or strength to really build up your overall health and fitness, both cardiovascularly and then in your strength workouts too. So recapping on our movement, we want to look at moving daily. We want to be adding in two to three strength sessions a week. And then we also want to be adding cardio in at a minimum of two sessions a week and moving daily you know, go for a walk, get outside, get into nature. We know there are so many positive benefits just from getting into nature. And again, that could just be, you know, some patches of grass and that in your backyard. It could be a little, you know, park nearby. You don't have to go off and find a beach or some beautiful mountains, which if you can, you know, that's lovely and amazing and definitely enjoy it. But if you are living, you know, in the city, just find that sort of small suburban green area that you can go in and do some movement and, or even just, you know, sit down and soak up that nature and then walk back to your office. You're still getting that movement. You're still getting that time in nature. All right. Our third area that we're going to be focusing on is our sleep. Now, this might not sound like fun, or though if you're an adult and you have children, you probably love your sleep like I do a hundred percent and you look forward to it really dialing in and optimizing our sleep can change our health and amazingly change our health for something that's simple as it seems. So where do we start? Well, sleep is essential because this is where our body does its rest. It recovers. It helps to reduce inflammation. It helps with the filing off of our memories. It helps to, you know, really clear our brain. So Focusing on sleep is essential for overall health, but how do we start to improve it? Well, first things first, we have to start prioritizing it. So if you are someone that's always trying to fit extra things in and, you know, you lean into that saying that's, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead, then we're not really prioritizing sleep. So we have to start prioritizing sleep and making sure it's higher up of our list of things that we need to, you know, focus on and be really dedicated to. So first of all, making sleep a priority, which means committing to yourself. When you're going to go to bed, you're going to turn off, you know, the TV in the evening. You're going to pop that iPad down. You're going to close that laptop and pop work away. Whatever that distraction may be, we need to, you know, make sure that we're putting it down in a way, make that commitment to ourselves and say to ourselves, you know, tonight, I'm going to go to bed at 10.30 or or go to bed at 9.30 or whatever the time is for you that's going to give you at least six to eight hours of sleep so that you can wake up feeling refreshed for the next day. Now, if you don't have to get up in the morning for anything, you've got a little bit more leeway with playing around with your sleep times. If you know that you have to get up in the morning to go to work or run around kids for school, then count back how many hours that you need and give yourself a little bit of buffer time because it always, you know, we always need just a little bit of time to fall asleep. So setting in some times, really prioritizing that sleep is a great way to start. And then secondly, we want to start to develop a great sleep routine. And this is going to look a little different for everyone. But with our kids, you know, we develop a sleep routine. We do baths or showers. We do brushing our teeth. We do reading before bed. We develop that sleep routine for them. And as we get older, we kind of forget about it for ourselves. We kind of just go, oh, yeah, we'll turn the TV off. We'll put our pajamas on and we'll go to sleep and our brains will just keep going. They don't turn off. So our brains need some of that downtime and our brains love habits and routines and that familiarity. So if we can build in a really nice sleep routine, and it doesn't have to be long, just nice and short that your body and brain can get familiar with, that can also help you fall asleep more easily. So some of the things that are more conducive and supportive to help us falling asleep, to pop into our sleep routine, maybe having either a hot bath or a hot shower in the evening. We know that by getting heat into our body, it helps our muscles to relax. Okay. It can also help clear our head. We want to, you know, we might move our bodies just gently, whether or not it's some gentle Pilates or yoga or stretching. So again, dropping back into that parasympathetic aesthetic state, connecting to our breath, slowing down our breathing. These are all ways that our body will feel safe. And if we feel safe, then we're going to sleep more easily. Also, you know, hygiene, cleaning our teeth, doing those things are all fantastic before we go to sleep and getting to bed, making sure that we have a really nice cool room. So our bodies prefer to be at a cooler temperature when we sleep. And then also looking at turning off those lights or dimming those lights and turning off screens so that we're minimizing that blue light. We know that when our eyes are exposed to that blue light, it increases our cortisol level, which is our stress hormone. Now, if we've got cortisol throwing th- flowing through our bodies, That's our body's going, oh, yep, we need to get ready. There's something going to happen. It's a stressful event. Let's go. That's not going to be conducive to helping us fall asleep. So whether or not we turn off our screens, you know, an hour before going to bed or we get a normal just, you know, paper book that we can read. Most people don't do that anymore, but I'm a big advocate for it or you can get some lovely blue light blocking glasses that help to block that blue light. So it minimizes that production of cortisol. And again, just helps keep supporting that production of melatonin, which will help you fall asleep. So these are just some ideas that you can add into creating a sleep routine that can be really supportive for sleep. And then finally, it's avoiding some a few things. So we want to avoid eating too close to bedtime. If our body is too busy digesting and gurgling away, again, it's not going to be very comfortable for us to sleep. So if when when we can, we want to stop eating about two to three hours before bed. So that gives us body our body, you know, it usually takes about six hours for food to digest. So it's gotten at least halfway through that digestion and it's only on that sort of final stages of digestion. So it's not Going to interrupt sleep. And then also looking at stimulants like caffeine and alcohol, they will disrupt sleep. They may feel like, you know, you may feel like if you have a glass of wine and alcohol that it may help you fall asleep but it's going to give you a more disrupted sleep. So you're going to wake up a lot more throughout the night. I know, you know, I've experienced it before myself. You go out, catch up with friends, have a couple of drinks, go to bed. You've kind of fall asleep quite easily but then you wake up in the morning and you never have a very good night's sleep. And that's because you can't get into those deeper REM stages of sleep and because of the alcohol that's just causing that disruption. So eliminating alcohol and also caffeine. So again, caffeine is a stimulant. So if we can, you know, minimizing that caffeine take and eliminating it before or after midday. So having caffeine before midday is totally fine. Maybe steering clear of it after midday, unless you know that, you can metabolize uh, coffee really well and it doesn't affect your sleep. Also, you know, swap across to decaf. If you still want that taste in the afternoon of a delicious cup of coffee, but you don't want that caffeine, then opt for decaf. So, you know, or a nice herbal tea. So there are other options. But again, even if you just pull back the time at which you eat dinner and eat dinner earlier and avoid caffeine and alcohol, you are definitely going to have a much better night's sleep. So recapping those three areas that we, or three things that we can do to help prioritize our sleep is one, prioritize our sleep and make sure that it's important, you know, that we're setting some boundaries to start Two: develop that really good sleep routine. That's going to be helpful for you falling asleep, but also staying asleep. And then finally avoiding food, caffeine, and alcohol that can just be a little bit too stimulating before we go to bed. Now, finally, our last area that will help us optimize our health is our stress. And this is the really big one because stress affects you know like everything it affects so many areas of our life just this morning you know one of my clients wives came in and said that her husband was ill and they weren't really sure what had caused it but there had been um you know not one but two family members that had passed away in a number of months and they'd had to rush off and change travel plans and all of these things had been happening so stress really contributes to you know, our state of mind and our physical and mental state and affects our body's ability to fight off illnesses and disease. And then also if we already are in a state of illness or disease, how long and how much it affects us too. So really leaning in, you know, it's quite often When you're preparing to go away on a trip and you've got lots of things to do with work and you're getting things ready, and that's when you do a back injury or hurt your neck or, and that's where stress is manifesting in the body. Things are becoming tighter, even though you might not feel stress, maybe you're doing different activities. You're cleaning a lot more before you have to go away, or you're spending a lot more time sitting at a desk because you have a deadline of getting things done. Stress will manifest in the body. So if we can address our stress, we can't eliminate it. It's part of life and as it should be because there are some good stresses. But if we can really manage our stress well, then we're going to optimize our health. So what can we do to do that? Well, we can lean in to just some really simple practices that will help us manage our stress. So whether or not that's things like meditation, journaling, Doing some breath work, you know, doing up some Pilates, moving our body. We know when we move, our body releases endorphins, okay? These are our, you know, happy, feeling great hormones. So, you know, leaning into movement. And again, doesn't have to be hard and fast, it can be gentle movement like yoga and Pilates and stretching. You know, practicing gratitude and mindfulness, being present in the moment, getting out into nature and really. You know, embracing that sun on our face, appreciating what we have around us, and experiencing and embracing awe, being thankful that, you know, we. Are alive that we have what we have, okay? Whether or not it's a you know amazing family or friends or a great supportive job or a hobby that we love, whatever it is, practicing that gratitude and awe can be really helpful. So finding small ways, maybe it's building time into your day where you know you just take two five minute blocks, some time out where you do some breath work or you have a cup of tea or you read your favorite book or you you know sit outside in the sun. And look at, at the plants and uh, flowers in your garden. So, whatever it is, building breaks into your day, you know, really building joy into your life to help manage stress is one of the, it sounds simple and it's not always simple, but one of the easy things that we can do. And again, just small, short periods of time can be really beneficial we also to help our stress we want to reduce our inflammation levels now this means inflammation can occur in the body in various different ways and whether or not that's being you know contributed by the food that we're eating okay the movement we may be exercising too strong and that's causing you know too much inflammation we may be drinking too much alcohol or smoking we may be working around chemicals we may be breathing in lots of car fumes so Inflammation in the body can come about from various different things. It's not just food, but it can be too much movement or lack of movement. It can be the environment. So looking at ways that we can reduce inflammation in our body will help reduce the stress on our body so that we're going to feel healthier in our body and mind. So what can we do to reduce inflammation? We can, where, we, where it's possible, eliminate and get rid of high sugar foods, Foods that are high in seed oils, additives, preservatives, and chemicals. We can also look at practices that really support our body, like Pilates, where we can really connect to our breath, like breath work, and yoga, and walking and getting out in nature. Also look at therapies like saunas and, you know, just to get that heat. And if you don't have a sauna, I would love one, but I don't have one, you know, having that hot bath, getting in that hot shower, you know, sweating, you know, letting out those toxins, making sure that we're getting fiber in our bodies, that we're going to the toilet regularly and eliminating toxins that way, you know, eating an abundance of different plants and colored foods, you know. Embracing that time and space where we can just slow down, take some time out and, you know, breathe and relax. So really trying to drop back into that parasympathetic state, that rest and digest state as much as we can will really help to lower inflammation, but also stress levels as well. So there are lots of different ways that we can lower inflammation in the body and just picking a couple to support ourselves will really help lower those stress levels, which has a flow on effect to how we feel mentally and this, you know, how we're happy we feel, how much joy we can experience, and then also, you know, disorders and, you know, pain, as well as pain, you know, ang- levels of anxiety and depression and those types of things. There are lots of studies that they're starting to do and they have already done now on showing connections with our diet to you know, anxiety and depression. And we can reduce some of the symptoms by having this plant rich diet, similar to the Mediterranean diet, getting lots of different colored plants in, as we've talked about really good sources of protein, drinking lots of water and trying to reduce inflammation levels in the body. And then finally for our stress, you know, get out into nature. It is such a simple thing to do. Doesn't have to be, you know, going to visit a lake. You don't have to drive very far. Just finding some bits of cream in your neighborhood that you can go into. Again, you can ground, take your shoes off so that you can connect your feet to the earth or just sit and soak it up. Getting sunlight is so beneficial. Again, stay out of the heat of the sun in the middle of the day. We don't want to get sunburnt, but, you know, soaking up that vitamin D from the sunlight and also getting sunlight first thing in the morning helps to kickstart our melatonin levels earlier, which would then help us sleep better in the evening. So, so many interconnected benefits from all these things. So again, finally, to recap, to help our stress levels, we want to find practices that are going to help manage our stress because we can't eliminate it. We want to reduce inflammation in our body through these various different ways. And we want to get out in nature and really embrace, you know, the sun on our face and that greenery around us. So they are our four areas that we can focus on for our optimal health. And again, it sounds like there is lots that we need to be focusing on all the time, but that's not the case. Just choose one of those things today, whether or not it was one of our, you know, points in nutrition or movement or sleep or stress. And if you just focus on one of those things, you're going to get some amazing results. And that's part of what our fully charged five-day challenge is all about. It's picking just one thing a day, one simple thing a day to make that change. So if you want some help with optimizing your health, then sign up for our free fully charged five-day challenge. It's not too late. We kick off on Monday, the 15th of May. And I will support you each and every day through the challenge with just one small change that we can make for our health to see amazing benefits. And the bonus of it all, you get to do some Pilates with me. So I hope you can join. Head on over to the show notes to check that out. Otherwise, I hope you all have a fantastic week. If you have been listening to the podcast, please subscribe um, on your favorite podcast apps. That really makes a world of difference, and I would be so appreciative. All right, that's it from me for this week. I'll see you again next week on the podcast. Thanks for listening in to the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.